and welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beanstalk. Oh, here we are. We are here. There's a phenomenal, great energy. As we record, my Orioles are crushing the Yankees. So it's automatically not a good day, but a great day. So the stars are aligning. The Orioles are terrific. The Yankees are being ground into just dirty garbage that's about to be cast out. And it's wonderful. So in honor of the occasion, I have brought my dugout mug goblet, if you will, to drink and toast to the Orioles in their favor for the remainder of the season. The Yankees must have crossed a black hat or walked under some ladders or something. Or, All those know, things. Saw the reflection in a mirror. And their best players injured and not playing. It doesn't matter. It's actually it's a just... broken mirror. You don't break a mirror. Not right. seeing right. your reflection. Right. 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 Otherwise, I'd have bad luck every day. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you don't. You don't. No. So to be good. clear. No, yes. it's great. This is rarefied air. So I'm feeling feeling cocky, feeling confident. Uh, speaking of cockiness, okay, and baseball, this works really well. So there's a new kid on the block, Ricky for the Cincinnati Reds, whose name is Ellie De La Cruz. Phenomenal baseball name. It's fantastic. Yes. The guy's destined to be an absolute stud. He's, and he is, he's tremendous. He's fairly, uh, as a young, skilled player, can tend to be in, in pro sports, not just baseball, uh, but in this case, baseball. Bit of a bit of a showman, right? Something good happens. He's he's gonna have a little shimmy. Infield, outfield. Uh, he is an infielder. Shortstop. I feel like those are the most arrogant bastards in baseball. Yeah, you know what? You ask a good question. Actually, you know, I feel like he floats around because they got a different guy playing shortstop. Don't quote me on that. This is embarrassing. I how, just blanked on which how position old he is plays. He? Young twenties, like very young, very young. Okay. So anyway. He, on the bottom of his bat, all right, has this little device, perfectly legal, but a little device that is designed to track uh, just different different data in terms of his swing, right? So it helps him kind of evaluate his bat path, his bat speed. So it, it's purely legal. It doesn't do anything functionally as far as how well he does or does not swing, okay? So the Reds, who LED LaCruz plays for, they're playing the... Washington Nationals. The Reds are having a great season. They're kind of the National League version of my Orioles this year. And in other words, it's been a while, but they're finally having a good year. They're playing the Washington Nationals, who have been hot garbage for several years now, still currently garbage. And the Washington Na- Nationals manager, just to be a pill, just to be one of those old curmudgeons, tells the umpires, hey, well, can we can we check what's on his bat, knowing all along that the little device at the bottom of the bat is perfectly fine, not giving Ellie De La Cruz any kind of an advantage, just trying to mess with him, right? Well, it works. It works for one at bat. It messes with him. The umpires force him to take the device off the bat so that they can inspect it. He strikes out during the at bat. He's visibly flustered. So the old man thinks, I've got the young pup. I just showed him. We'll see his antics. Well... Problem is, in between that at-bat that ends in the strikeout and the next at-bat that comes up a couple innings later, the umpires essentially call the manager's bluff and go, you know, there's nothing wrong here. We're going to let him put the device back on the bat. So they give the device back to Ellie De La Cruz. He pops it back on the bat. Very next at-bat, cranks a moonshot of a homer. And as soon as the ball leaves his bat, he looks at the Nationals dugout at his man at the manager, 
points at the bottom of the bat and gives it a old heave ho. <laughs> and which is great. And that in and of itself would be perfect. Then post game, Nationals manager has the audacity to say, you know, I didn't really care for his antics. Excuse me, sir. You were the one that set the terms of the engagement with your petty BS of, well, let's take the little thing off the knob of his bat. You don't like the rules. Don't poke you, the bear. Right. Don't poke the bear. You you set the rules of the engagement and you still lost. Don't be a whiny turd. Pathetic. Just pathetic. Yeah, that's what it gets. Yeah. You get that homer right in the face. It was awesome. It was awesome. I was, I was a huge fan of the moment. So that's just kind of the energy that we're that we're bringing. I'm wearing the loudest shirt that I own. I got it most recently in Florida. It's covered in gators and what I assume to be Florida panthers. And topography. And topography. Like there's more pink. It is the predominant color on the shirt, but there's a little teal and some, you know, yellow greenish thing mixed in there. It's Looks great. like sherbet ice cream. It, it, thank you. It is so comfortable. It's the perfect summer shirt. I absolutely love it. So it's all that matters. We're here. Yeah. Bringing the energy, man. It's kind of special to wear that shirt, you know? You know someone I couldn't see wearing this shirt? Indiana Jones. No. Nor should he. Nor nor would he want to. Can you see him a Harrison Ford in that shirt? I can't. Actually, I could, actually. In irony. In an ironic... Right. Right. Yeah. Moment. Maybe just to, to rattle some people. Yeah, it would take it would take a very unique set of circumstances, but I think I think old Harry Ford is is rocking the the browns and the plaids. I'm gonna say I feel like he just wears solid shirts now. He kind of dresses like if here's the deal: if Marvel ever goes, "Hey, we want to do old man Cap," you don't cast Chris Evans, you cast Harrison Ford, and just say, "Just come be yourself." Slightly less curmudgeon-y, because we do want Cap to still be somewhat sweet, so. Maybe don't entirely be yourself, but do that. How about this? Dress like yourself. That's perfect. I like curmudgeonly, though, for that. An old cranky Captain America. Yeah. Well, it's a shame that they've already cast Harrison Ford in the MCU. They missed an opportunity. Back in World War II. Hey, I'm hoping he'll be a good Thunderbolt Ross. I think he will will. be. He'll be fine. He will be. He's got the attitude down for sure. Exactly. The curmudgeon is appropriate for for old Thunder. It just sucks because William Hurt, like, Put time and effort, like I should, yeah, he was great. Time and effort, yeah, into that role. Yep, and then he looked. That's exactly what I pictured General Ross to look like. Yep, yep. No, it was it was good. So anyway, all that being said, Riles, what should we talk about tonight, man? I mean, we got the energy is palpable. I mean, we really don't got anything going on, really. So we're done. No, till okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, we got Blue Beetle next month. Yep. But other than that, you know what's coming like, out in a few days? Actually, what movie? Mission Impossible Seven. Oh, yeah, you're an MI guy. Oh, big Mission Impossible guy. Tom big. Cruise said he wants to be that character until he dies. I don't want that unless he dies while making one of the movies. In which case, the way he's going, it's it going to happen. Surprise! Yeah, me. it's going to happen. Yeah, and, and we we talked about this on a previous pod. What bamboozles me about this? This is Mission Impossible Seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. And the title of this movie is. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. What? Yeah, it's stupid. No. It's definitely stupid. That's ridiculous. This is Part 7. It's really stupid. (laughs) It's Part 7. It's 100% 
stupid. Just, that's that's like it's it's seven A. There's seven connected hey, movies. It, oh, this is part one. It's the same issue with the Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, nice. Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows, technically book seven, part one, and then part two. And it's just because they wanted more money. Instead of yeah. just doing a Lord of the Rings thing and making a three hour long movie. Yeah. Which is what they should have. But they yeah. knew that just, they should it make just, more It's money. so weird. Now I'm still going to go see it. I think it's still going to be fantastic. I'll be fine. Tommy Cruise still puts on a good time. It's pure entertainment value. And it's glorious. I'm here for it. But I mean, Spider Verse kind of did that too. Yes. No, that's that's valid. So technically, there's like two movies right. in Spider Man. It's kind of silly. It is kind of silly, but I we've lost it. our minds. But anyway, it's, it's coming fine. up. It's fine. So yeah, yeah. But you're you're right. We're we're kind of in that that latter half. Uh, Oppenheimer comes out in a couple of weeks, uh, simultaneous with the Barbie movie, which Dark Horse. It looks good. It looks. Let me rephrase, let me rephrase that. It looks watchable. Like it looks, it gained more of my interest when we saw the preview for it whilst watching the Flash movie that we'll never discuss again. Yeah. Uh, but that preview during that movie, I was sitting there ready to mock the movie and dadgummit, it looked entertaining. Freaking Ryan Gosling charming my socks off. Freaking Wolf Ferrell just prancing around in a suit. Come on. I can't agree nor disagree because I went up to take a piss at that moment in time. So I missed that entire trailer. That's what YouTube's for. So, yeah, I'm not going out of my way to find that trailer. <laughs> to believe it or not. I'll text it to you. I'm texting it to you right now. I'm wondering when I went to you right to- now. <laughs> right now. Here it comes. Keep going. I'm texting it to you right now. So as, as I was just saying, so I might have played during the Indiana Jones like series, like before I, the movie Free started, but I, I showed up a little late. Sure. I had to go buy candy from Walmart and then, you know, hide it in my pants. And then, you know. Thanks for the clarification yeah. as to where you hid well, the candy. Where, where, where else is a dude going to hide it? I don't have the I don't have the part of like a purse. And if I come in with a satchel, that's kind of suspicious. There are many good reasons to get married. That is one of the best yeah. right there is your spouse can then hide copious amounts of goodies. Lindsay and I have snuck in Taco Bell. Wait, yeah. no, Taco John's complete with potato Olays. Yeah. It's like in freaking Chick-fil-A. Like we've gone nuts, man, with the shakes and everything. See, that's what I want to do when I get a wife, inevitably, mm-hmm. in the next 20 years. Um it's a good window of time. That's yes. that's doable. That's a good buffer zone. Yep. So when it happens, just I just text you the trailer. It's yes. coming to you right now. Right. Coming to you now. Uh, there it is. I it came. Probably there not watch it. Anyways, but uh I think my goal will to just be to challenge it and to see what we can get in there. Yeah, I like the idea. I look the oh. I like the idea of sneaking a KFC bucket. Wow. Okay. And, and with some mashed potatoes and gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having like a mini Thanksgiving feast. That's very greasy, but I love the ambition. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. Fried chicken. We don't have a KFC here, though. Interesting. Oh, fun memories. It's mind-boggling that we don't have a KFC here. Although I heard there was a KFC here, and it didn't do very well, mm-hmm. and then it ran out of town. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's always hope. These things come back. These things come back. You can go to Hy-Vee and get a bucket of chicken. Like they, it's not the same. Okay. Okay. It's okay. All right. But it's not KFC. Fair enough. Fair enough. Regardless. All right. So what should we talk about? Probably the Indiana Jones movie. Sure. You saw that. I did see that. That's great. I haven't uh, seen it, but I'd love to hear your I thoughts. I was super pumped. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Because I did like a little like reaction video. 
before yes. and after. Yes. So I don't know if you saw it or not. Maybe not. You can text me the I link I, just like I, I text I, you the Barbie link. Yes. Thank I think you. I posted on Magic Beans Productions. Why am I not following you? What kind of a friend am I? Jeez. Oh, it is what it is. It's fine. So beforehand, uh, I was like, okay, I'm about to go in. Uh-huh. Clopes are high. Uh-huh. I came out and I think you can see the adrenaline. Oh, it's pumping. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was just like so enthused that it happened. That's glorious. That I, I don't think I gave it fair, a fair review. So <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Yes. That's great. Um, but yeah. So, oh, there. See, I yep. You found talking. it. You found yes. it. Yes. So it was, dude. Okay. We'll just, we'll just get right into Let's it. Just get into we'll, it. We'll just get right into it. Let's just get it. into it. Um, I will say this. Okay. If, I don't understand why anybody has any issues with it. Okay. Does it get a little weird at the end? Yes, it does. Okay. But every Indiana Jones movie yep. has a mystical element to it. Okay. Well, now, absolutely. Right. So, you know, the first one we have the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. So if you're not a Christian, that's going to be a little mystical to you. Okay. And the second one, they have the stones and the voodoo stuff, which not a fan creeps me out to this day. You should still watch that movie though. And then, um, but received anywho rejected <laughs> still a little mystical, magical element. Right. Nobody watched temple of doom and was like, Oh my gosh, I love how realistic this movie is. It it's realistic up to a point. Okay. Number three, the Holy Grail. Again, for non-Christians, probably a little mystical there, right? Right. Number four was two out there. This wasn't mystical. This was extraterrestrial. It was yep. an alien skull. Yep. yep. This one is a dial that was built by Archimedes. Okay. 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 Tracking. Right. So Dorita. the idea, I will try not to get too into it, but the Nazis... Classic. Back as the villain. Which is so great. Bring him in. Mads Mikkelsen kind of looks like a Nazi, so it fits really well. Yeah. He's a very- Mostly worse. Like, he's he fits really uncomfortably in that paradigm. Like, I bet he's a good, like, I bet he's a good dude, but he just, he has the face yeah. of a villain. Correct. Correct. It's he unfortunate. Does. He does. So, Mads Mikkelsen, main bad guy. Yep. He's a Nazi. Yep. And he's kind of, like, pissed off that the Nazis lost. This is 1969 now. The, we just got back from the moon. Nice. So that's like the okay. whole thing. Okay. Right. So he's after this dial from Archimedes. And the whole idea of the dial is that it can take you back in time to a certain point yes. in time. God. And his goal is that he wants to bring the Nazis back and win the war. Okay. Totally valid. I'm in. So That's excellent. That's the mystical crap the Nazis are into. So it doesn't. Surprised me at all that they go for well, this. It, it's Indiana Jones. It that's but, on brand. Yes, as you so. just gloriously detailed. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Is, is it the best out of all of them? No. Obviously, first and third, and then the fifth, yeah. and then probably the second and the fourth. Right. So we don't talk about the fourth. But Correct. I would rather watch that one mm -hmm. than Temple of Doom. Yep. Any day of the week. Yeah. Which I think that is, if this movie was going to be made, which it obviously doesn't need to be made, like the original trilogy could have been it, and that's great. But nonetheless, you have the Crystal Skull coming out in 08, and now you have another 15 years later, 
the Isle of Destiny. So if it's going to be made, you, you want it to at least be good, right? You don't want it to be a, a you know, an embarrassment, a, oh, geez, just hanging up, man. Like, this is tough. So it's I'm encouraged to hear you as an Indiana Jones fan say that you went and saw it and your expectations were met. That's fantastic. Oh. It didn't need to exceed whatever you know, bar were set by movies one and three. It doesn't need to do that. And they just like wrapped it up in a bow real nice. Sure. I don't, James Mangold just might be a really good like ender of things. You know? And right. that's a compliment. Wolverine, <laughs> Indiana Jones. But, like think about how many series just end yep. shittily. Right. Like so bad right. where you're like, this is the ending you yes. chose. We could talk about the Game of Thrones final two seasons for hours about how they missed the mark on that. Most things end more like and poorly. Most shows, most movie franchises don't actually end. Shows are worse. Well. Correct. New girl. Correct. Prime yeah. example. Yeah. Rushed. Yeah. Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine had a good finale, but the last season was just terrible. Yeah. But my point remains, okay? I thought it was great. I thought they wrapped it all up real nicely. It's very there good. Were, there were some emotional moments in that movie. Yeah. So. Because, You're getting me hyped up. Yes. You're getting me in the mood to go see it. So there, I will say. There are a little nods back to the fourth one in just characters. Sure. sure. Meaning mainly his wife and his mm-hmm. son. So Shia LaBeouf is in it again? No, he's not in the movie. Oh. But they they do talk about it. Yep. So yep. yes. Okay. And that is as far as I will go with it. That's great. But I wish Shia LaBeouf was in that movie. But I think he um I think he wrote himself out of those movies. So, I, I'm pretty sure he talked some crap to Steven Spielberg and was like, Harrison Ford's like, you're an idiot because you're not going to be in the next one. Like, way to ruin that. At least you know where the damage came from. It was yourself. You did it all to yourself, bud. Good job. And I love Shia LaBeouf, too. So, yep. Yep. Just just a tough, tough move. So, move. yes. Go watch the movie. Great. It deserves it deserves the hype. I was a little worried going in because there was the, I was getting a lot of mixed reviews. I was hearing a lot of 50-50 on it. Sure. And I think it was I literally think it was the premise of the dial hmm. that set some people back. Fascinating. I was see, I was excited though, because I thought it was gonna be like a old switcheroo or something else was gonna be involved because they talk about the okay. um they talk about the spear that yep. pierced Jesus' side. That's what they were looking for at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I was like, okay, okay. I was like, man, this will be the real triumphant right? if they, right? they do this. And they right? didn't end up doing it, but it's cool. So, yeah, great movie. Go watch it. It's fantastic. Great plug for Indiana Jones. Absolutely love that. Yeah, I've been on the fence with that one. Not disinterested, but not sincerely eager enough to make the effort to carve out the time. And uh, I'm going to see it at some point. Still don't know if I'll carve out the time to see it in the theaters, but I am going to see it. And so it, I'm glad to hear that uh, it's got the Beans endorsement. That's great. Yeah. Going right on the vine. And I'm probably a little biased, but still. So? But Indiana Jones is like my favorite movie character I think outside of superheroes. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely love that. A um, couple other uh, items that I think would be good to touch on. Um, one that we actually did not talk about pre-pod, but we're in the midst of the Secret Invasion I haven't show. watched a single episode okay. yet. Okay, and, and that's fine. Because um, I'm going to do for you kind of what you did for me and say that I am, uh, well, I'm not really going to do the same thing. Because you 
provided a really good endorsement for Indiana Jones. I am I am nervous, Riles. I'm real nervous. Um, it's not what I wanted to hear. I know. I know. Uh, premise, I'm not sure. Boy, it should be better than I think it is. There are parts of it that are really sound and really solid. And this isn't spoiling anything that, no. hey, the scrolls uh, and a faction of the scrolls in particular um, want to take over Earth. Okay. Yep. Known quantity. For some reason, there is another layer being added to that premise in regards to Nick Fury's involvement that just feels very retconny and not in a positive way. Yeah. And so for those of you that are out of the, pardon me, comics lingo, retcon means, hey, we are rewriting something or essentially reshaping the dial of destiny. We're pulling a dial of destiny move. We're reshaping the past. What you thought was the past actually is uh, is now different. And that's what this feels a little bit like to me with Nick Fury. So I'm nervous. I would love to be optimistic. And yes, it could pay off well. But my trust bank, that account is uh, is just about empty. I've seen where this has gone before with shows in particular with Marvel that I'm going, oh boy questions nerves oh, i think we knew going in with this show that the premise was going to be like on on a tightrope because there wasn't a lot of setup to it the scroll there wasn't even yep. even if the one Correct. like the one movie they were in they were only good people Correct. that was only shown as good people yep. they had zero reasons to resent anyone else human wise mm-hmm. from what I remember mm-hmm. no, they you're hated remembering the, accurately they hated the Cree quite a bit you're remembering accurately obviously yep. but like that. so the premise I felt like was going to be shaky to begin with right because you have to answer a very important question in a relatively short amount of time of well wait a minute why would they want to take over the earth how did we go from supporters good guys to uh bad guys and enemies adversaries in for us as the audience a very short turnaround and i know captain marvel is supposed to be in the 80s that's great uh, but for the audience 80s or 90s i was thinking late 80s early 90s maybe yeah, early 90s. 90s you're probably right no you're probably right thank you i was I, trying to forget that movie but there's still remnants left 30 ish years ago but that that's a lot of time to just dip over, and so that, that's that's hard to to cover that. So we'll we'll see, but that's where I'm at so far. Um, it's worth watching. Samuel L. Jackson, of course, is terrific. Ben Mendelsohn is the um as our Talos, yeah, as our what I was, I was trying to call him like our known scroll. He's fantastic. The dude's accent is actually amazing because. I've seen Ben Mendelsohn in several different movies now, and he pulled off a different accent every time. And the accent that he has developed for Talos is so unique. It, it's almost a bit Australian. Like that's probably the strongest vibe that I can get from it. But it, but it's not over the top. Like, oh, good eye, mate. It's just like 
gravelly in there a little bit, kind of like how Russell Crowe it'll it'll sneak out of sneak out of Russell every so often. Okay. Um, but I admire the heck out of the guy's voice. I just want to listen to it all the time. I just want to listen to Talos tell tales of Crowlos. So I'm nervous, Riles. There's my, you know, July seventh. How many Sorry, episodes? July, three? July 6th. Three or four? Uh, there's three that have been released so far. I have yet to watch the third. So I, I'm coming at this from a two episodes in perspective. Um, that's where I'm at. Rad. Yep. Or not rad, I guess, in this case. I don't know, man. Not oh, rad. I don't know. I don't know. So that's that's a thing. Hopefully on the more optimistic side, the other uh, news of note that we wanted to hit on was... And this is, of course, paired with the sadness of Henry Cavill not being uh, Al L. So it's fun to just, you know, jab that knife in every so often. But the role of Cal L, Man of Steel, has been recast by the good old U.S. of A's very own David Hornsweet. Yeah, that's right. Fourth of July, we get news that American beat out British people again. So let's go, U.S. of A, baby. I don't mind that part of it at all, actually. <laughs> In a really, like, weird, non, like, very rational way, I'm like, sweet! We got an American. So, okay. It doesn't, doesn't really matter, but there it is. So, it doesn't matter at all. Well, I've not seen the guy in anything. I so haven't either. I just saw... Relative, relative unknown. Yes, I saw his face. Yep. Corn sweat. Patrick Corn sweat. Uh, David. David Corn Sweat. Patrick would fit, but this is David. Yes, Corn Sweat. See, Corn Sweat sounds British, so I think I thought that he was British at first. Corn Sweat. Doesn't that sound kind of British? It does. Yes. No, it legitimately does. What did you say his first name was again? David. David. He looks like a relative of Henry Cavill's. Like, they look like they're yeah. from the same family yeah. tree. Not it's, a brother necessarily, but definitely a cousin. They have, you know, their they dads have similar are brothers. Ancestors. Their dads are brothers. That's yes. what's happening here. It's... It's really, like, scary how they pretty much just found a guy that's younger than Henry Cavill to yep. do it. Yep. So, yep. I, look, he looks like Superman, so let's just do it at this point. I don't really care. And the girl, Rachel Brosnahan. Yep. She looks like Lois Lane. She does. So Another American from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Honestly, I like her better than Amy Adams if we're going off of just, like... Lois Lane esque looks. Yeah, and that I, Amy I Adams love Amy bad. Adams. Right, I love Amy Adams. She's a weird, but not a good Lois Lane. She's a weird Lois Lane yep. pick. Not a I, good fit for I Lois don't, Lane. I don't know who I would pick her to be the love interest of, but it would not have been Superman. She'd be like a black canary, like paired up with Green Arrow. That I could see. I don't know if I see that either. No, okay. no. I don't know. I got nothing. Okay, well I'm done trying. See, because. <laughs> I don't know. I see Ana de Armas's Black Canary. That's what I see. Interesting. Okay. Well, I don't know, though. And podcast is over. I guess. That's what did it. Amy Adams. That broke us. Damn you, Amy that Adams. broke us. No, it's... But the reality here is that this is just such a weird... And it's hard for me to even, like, provide or grasp the context of this. But it's one of those, like, fluke... Just moment in times where different, it all depends on when the role becomes available and who looks like that 
character right. at that time that has enough of a enough of a resume that they get that part. It's really fascinating because you know we've we've seen the the uh, collages of well, what if the MCU was cast in the nineties and. Enzo Washington is Black Panther. I mean, Tom Cruise is Iron Man. They're not inaccurate. No, but it's annoying. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they're not inaccurate. And it just makes me, you know, it just makes me think, obviously, we're, our hearts are tied to Henry Cavill and appropriately so. But I also know, and I understand, he is not the only person that can play Batman. Wow, Freudian slip. He's not the only person that can play Superman. And so I'm open to it. There's a different Lois Lane. Great. At this point, it's just, let's get on with it. Let's get on to the newness. Let's see what comes next. I just, more than anything, whoever's playing the dang characters, can it just last? Can it have some cohesiveness, please? Can it be? Can it make sense? Can it be comic and like... Accurate like semi-accurate cannot be a hard alt take. Can I get the Boy Scout? <sighs> can I get some hope on the screen? Yeah. You know? I'm gonna actually, yeah. I think the most excited I am is going to be finding out who Lex Luthor is. Okay. Okay. I really am interested to see if they stick to the same age range or they go a little older. Sure. I just, I'm interested for sure. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, you know, the news is going to come quickly in the next couple of years. Um, so we'll, we'll get more of it, but you know, no accident, of course, that this is the first, first big DC casting news that we've, that we've had in some time. Yeah, we're getting there. Yep. It's coming. Plugging right along. Two years, 2025. It's my understanding. So watch it be 2027, but whatever. Uh, don't, I mean, James Gunn's there now. That shouldn't happen now. That shouldn't happen now. Although the writer's strike might put that on hold. So, yeah, but Deadpool's still happening. So that's cool. And I saw him in the suit again and I cried. So (laughs) I did. I was so happy. If they put Hugh Jackman in the classic Wolverine suit, which they're going to. I will shit my pants. All right. So we're going to need to start scouting out adult diapers for you because it's going to happen. Well, they teased it at the end of Wolverine. I know. And then they yep. never brought it because X-Men series is so good at teasing suits that they don't use. And I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Is it going to look a little weird? Probably. I don't care. I want it bad. It's going to look phenomenal. It is. It's going to so. look freaking sweet. That's what I think. I'm excited. Okay. It's going to be sweet. We're off track. Get us back on track, Riles. Okay. So is it time? It is. To ask questions. It is. So because we didn't have any topics today, I thought, I thought, you know what? Because I don't think we've ever done this. Mm-hmm. Not even from our start did we do this. Agreed. So these are just general back and forth questions. Yep. Absolutely. Discussion questions. Just to like, you know, learn more about each other. Mm. Deep in the relationship. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you, man. That's going to be real romantic. That's great. I'm so yes. glad I, you know, this is date night. So I'm just <laughs> glad I wore my date night shirt. I feel underdressed. You are, but I forgive you. <laughs> so, yes. Did you want to start? No, I want you to start. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I, I think I will start with the premise question of okay. how this all started. Oh, and get it. What got you into comic books in the first place? Such a great question. Such a great question. I. 
I grew up in a home where my parents were very uh, encouraging to me and my siblings for us to read, right? And to my parents' credit, they were, I would say, relatively open to us reading whatever we were interested in. Say relatively, because it wasn't just, you know, the Wild West, so to speak, but they weren't, um, they weren't forceful with, well, you have to read this, right? And so I remember going to the Waverly Public Library way back in the day, and there were these huge compilations of old, like, these are encyclopedia thick, Superman comics, Shazam, back when he was called Captain Marvel, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man. And just devouring those. I mean, these are uh, especially Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. These are the original Stan Lee, Jack Kirby creations, right? Or Steve Ditko, I guess, with Spider-Man, excuse me. Um, but phenomenal, right? And that's where, for me, I was I was primarily hooked. And then from there, it was it just kind of ebbed and flowed. I always enjoyed comic book characters, the idea of them in general. When I was growing up, the X-Men movies were coming out. Um, and those were still, you know, formative and groundbreaking in terms of superhero movies. The Toby Spider-Man movies were being released, um, but superhero movies were very much in their infancy, right? Like the Batman movies had come out in the late 80s, early 90s, the Richard Donner Superman. So there's these little, little paths, little bits of here and there. But as far as like actually reading the comics, um, so I, that's how I got into it. Yeah. For me, the days of my youth. For me, I was six or five. I was young. Yep. Dad took me to Tobey Maguire's Spider Man One. I remember the Green Goblin. You had to go see that when you were six. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. So I remember. I remember the Green Goblin pretending to be that old lady. Oh, scary. And and that haunting me for a while. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'll do it. It was. Green Goblin was freaky, dude, but mm. I was I, I was obsessed with Spider-Man after that. So I don't remember having like Spider-Man comic books, but I had those like little kid like, oh, Spider-Man takes on the chameleon. And it's not like a, yep. I don't know, it's like a smaller picture book story sure. rather than comic book format. Yep. And then I yep. probably started reading comics in middle school. I think I was Cedar Falls library and i got age of apocalypse x-men nice was my first one that i read i think fully and then yeah because i remember being like eight and then having my family laptop and then just going through this is how geeky i am i loaded up the marvel character like wiki Mm -hmm. and i just went through an a yep and then i think i got all the way almost through s that summer so yeah i was obsessed that's awesome. So, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I, man, I, I didn't like intentionally take a break from reading comics. But for me, I think where it took off at another level was I was probably 21 or 22 at this point, And I wanted, I wanted a comic. Like there were enough good comic book movies that were coming out. I'm like, I would love to read some of the source material. Right. And I got Batman. The Long Halloween and Dark Victory, because yeah, the Dark Knight had come out relatively recently, somewhere in that 2000. I know it came out in 2008, so somewhere around then, I remember reading that the Long Halloween comic was a pretty direct inspiration for the Dark Knight. And man, I got those two comics 
and or those two graphic novels. And then it just it just blossomed from there. Like you read one story and you're like, well, I gotta know more and more and more. And so it just expanded. And then Astro Core War, man, that opened up a whole new, whole new realm with the Green Lanterns. Just bananas. But it's good. It's a pretty rewarding journey, that's for sure. When when you're able to read, I haven't been able to read for like the last two months. So there are fantastic. there are those seasons, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, there are those seasons. But yes, it's it does, especially once you get like into the. I mean, injustice for is a great yes. example of I'm near three of five, I think. So mm-hmm. it just it you get hooked, yeah, as you should. That's a phenomenal question. Love that question. Okay. Big fan of the question. Let me see if I can, you know, match or at least come close to contributing a a question of some validity on my own here. What if, I've got some what ifs here. Here's the first what if. What if comics were forced to restart every 10 years? You had a 10-year run and they have to reset. They can't just keep going. Got to reset. I... I would, be what would that be like? I would be okay with it. Yep. Because this is what I think you do instead. I think you keep that writer on mm-hmm. for the 10-year span. Mm-hmm. So you have the same writer of Spider-Man. Yep. You let him write Spider-Man for a decade. I think you get more um, like continuous story. Sure. Right? You're getting more cooperative with like the guy with Wolverine yes. and a guy with... Deadpool, for instance, or like, hey, right. you want to cross over for like two episodes, and then mm-hmm. they're collaborating on that, mm-hmm. and it you can kind of go off and do whatever you want. If yep. you kill a character, guess what? They can come back in five years, and I mm-hmm. think deaths are more important. Agreed. Because Agreed. you don't have to worry about bringing them back at any time, and if they do get Brock back, it's in some crazier way, shape, or Correct. form. Correct. So I think, I think the characters have more importance than that. So... But I think my biggest thing is keeping on the same writer for the big characters. Yeah. Because I think the smaller characters aren't going to have those 10-year runs. But, like, having the same writer on X-Men for 10 years and letting him explore yep. this different things that he wants to do. Right. That's my whole my whole thought process on yeah. it. And, and 10 years is an arbitrary number. Like, it could easily be, you know, five years, eight years, heck, three years. It, it can be just about... 10 years is probably the max, but I I feel like comics do themselves a disservice by trying to connect these decades worth of storylines that so few people are even aware of, right? So you're, who are you really providing a great experience to? The dozens of people that that have read all of that content? Like realistically, that's not, that's not a thing. And even in this age what we'll call you know what they call the information age in the sense that all of this information is easily and quickly accessible so sure i could go back and look and see what batman did in the 1960s but i'm not going to like i don't have any inherent interest like it's more relevant to me what happened both 5 years you know ago and what's going to happen 5 years from now and i'll go a little bit further back than that at times but I just think it would be refreshing if comics just put a healthy boundary on themselves and said, look, we can have, you can have plenty of interconnectivity in a 10 year span. There's plenty of payoff that can take place, but at 10 years, it's done. Like you said, we're moving on to a different author, a different writer, and you can revisit the same characters, but it's from a completely 
completely fresh take. Well, and I think I think what gets annoying for me is when the writers switch, and then because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter for the most part where that that last writer leads them off because yep. they're gonna take whatever they want from it yep. and leave whatever they don't want. Yep. So. I mean, if a character dies, they're going to bring him back in their run yep. because they want to use him or, you know, right. stuff like that. So, right. and also to your point too, with the 1960s, like none of what happened in the 60s for Batman is really relevant now no. because it's been retconned or moved anyways. And I think, I think Marvel struggles with this more in the sense of they try to still keep everything like connected in a weird way where DC's like, okay, we've reset the universe at least twice. Right. (laughs) So at least they've had like, they had their new 52, which was kind of their latest big reset. And Batman pretty much stayed the same. They only changed a few minor things. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the Robin timeline, which is insane from what I understand. But like they redid like green arrow and a bunch of other characters. So it's like, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. And like you said, it would just bring so much more weight to character deaths, right? Because they're just they're just a joke. Like you know, okay, someone's heavy air quotes dead. Come back. Anytime. They just killed Miss Marvel, and I'm pretty sure she's already teased to be coming back later this year. <laughs> so she died in a Spider Man comic. She died in Spider Man. Wait, not Miles Spider-Man, no. Peter Parker Spider-Man. Miles would have made sense a little bit because I think they've been teammates and stuff, mm-hmm. but Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even know she was Miss Marvel. She was just working at the same lab or something See, and then died. Comics are such a mess. Like I, I enjoy comics, but I've also been very particular about what comics I read. I, they're, whatever percentage of comics that I have read, it's in single digits relative to all the comics that are out there. Because there's just a mass of comics that aren't worth reading. They're not very good. Well, I think I think that's why Elseworld stories are so great right now. Yep. Because that story, whatever happens in there, it doesn't affect the main line. Yep. And if someone dies in there, they're dead. They're staying dead. Correct. Tom Taylor does a fantastic job with that. Yep. Like I I'm more invested in the story because I know there's actual consequences. Correct. So Superman picking up the yellow lantern ring, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That won't happen in regular. I mean, it kind of did with Parallax, but that's a whole thing too. But so, you know what I mean? In that sense. You just know there's no staying power to it. Right. Yeah. Because I want to read the Knights of Steel or whatever, Mm -hmm. where it takes place in like, it's like a Game of Thrones-esque one. That Mm -hmm. one looks really good too. Sure. Sure. Tom Taylor again. So. Freaking Tommy. He's doing it. He's doing it. All right. Good. What do you got? Let me see which question I want to ask. Okay. Um, okay. If you had to write any character personally, who would you pick? I would love to say that I could write Batman and that would be awesome. But I feel like that would be just extraordinarily intimidating because there's so much phenomenal Batman content in the comics already. Right. I, I would just. I would have Court of Owls running through my head, Long Halloween, Hush. He's got so many villains, too. It's oh, crazy. Yeah, it's it's absolutely, absolutely wild. Um, 
it would be because I think it's been a while since there's been a worthwhile Daredevil comic. It'd be fun to write a Daredevil comic. That'd be really sweet. I'm a sucker, and you know this, for the new gods in DC, like Mr. Miracle, Orion, Darkseid, Calabac, the, the good and the evil. That would be that'd be a lot of fun to to tackle a less well-known set of characters that have, I think, some good foundations laid and just develop some mythology with those characters because they're cosmic, they're unique. They're incredibly impactful when they're written in the right way. So that'd be be a lot of fun. Yeah, it it's an interesting question. I, I'll tell you for sure, I would never touch Deadpool. Mm-hmm. I would be too scared <laughs> because I, I love that character so much. I'd be like, I don't think I could do it. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm crazy enough. And I'm pretty crazy. I just don't think I'm that crazy. Right? Probably the dream like, would be like Spider-Man. I think I, think I could do... Like if I like down the line practice, right. Right. But like, it would also be cool to do some like lower key characters and just like build them up. Like a plastic man, for instance, would be a lot of fun. Yes. I've talked about the metal men Mm -hmm. just because the concept's really cool Mm -hmm. just to mess around with that. Correct. Um, I'm trying to think there's probably some X-Men characters Mm -hmm. just writing solo stories for some X-Men characters Mm -hmm. that are like low key that don't get touched enough, like a night crawler, like one shot. Right. Right. So that's probably where I'm at. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's you get into those like legacy characters and you're like, I want to do it, but that's, it's, that's, that's where that there's so much pressure on it yeah and again that forced connectivity it's like can you just reset the dang thing and right do i would your elseworld i think that would be a requirement i would yeah. want it to be like i mean look at michael brian michael bendis doing ultimate spider-man mm-hmm. i think that's the way to do it mm-hmm. i think that's why he was so successful with mm-hmm. it is because it was like hey you know i get this is my spider-man right and i can kind of do whatever i want am i gonna have him date kitty pride for a while sure why not you know so that's yeah. where I'm at with it yeah. for sure. I think I think Elseworld would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Okay. So for you, and I'll answer this question too, but I'll put it on you first. What is the what's the standard for you when it comes to a superhero movie? So this this overlaps a little bit with the what's the best or your favorite movie, but where I'm going with this is I want to hear you talk about when you think of, man, this is the kind of superhero movie that I want to see, what does that look like for you? What were some standards you're going, this is this is what I want a superhero movie to be? So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be a little biased, but I will explain exactly why it should be. It's exactly what it should be. To me, it's Deadpool 1. Mm-hmm. And mainly because Ryan, Re- Ryan Reynolds went into that movie fully understanding the character. Yep. That is probably one of the most comic accurate depictions we've ever had in, in a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what's the most important. Yep. Like with Batman, don't get me wrong. The Dark Knight trilogy will go down in history as arguably the best superhero trilogy to ever grace the film screen. Right. Heath Ledger won a supporting actor role for the Joker. Pretty good. That doesn't Pretty happen good. every day. Yep. Um, so to have like my my thing with him is it it's a realistic take. Yep. This is Batman in our world. Right. There was no Superman. There is no Flash. He's dealing with realistic takes on the villains. Yep. This is a scarecrow that is 
has come up with some chemical. He's still a human. He's wearing a potato sack over his head, okay? It's not creative and crazy in that sense. It's literally a sack of potatoes on his head. He hasn't stuffed straw right. into his shirt. Right. Raish is still, like, a, an assassin, but I they don't talk about the... Did they talk about the... The Lazarus Pit at all no. in that? Oh, no. No, 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 no. See, that's what I mean. That's one of the core things to his character, Correct. right? And I don't know. When you see a character come on and not be portrayed the way that you see it, and that's probably why mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's mm-hmm. takes mm-hmm. were very controversial because right. it was not like this is a darker toned right. Superman. This is a darker toned Batman. Yep. Batman and Batman versus Superman's killing people. Yes. It's like the one thing he doesn't do is right. kill people. Yep. So I don't know. That's where I'm at in the sense of just accuracy to me. I resonate with that a lot. I because where I go, where I get a little caught, I think, is on the one hand, I, I do I do like the Else Worlds hates, right? Particularly in the comic book format. But when it comes to the movies, I think it's okay to err on the side of being more mainstream in terms of, to your point, this is this is who this character is in the comics. Because what the question that I ask is, why is someone even making a movie about this character if they're going, well, we, we want to change about a dozen things about them? Well. Do somebody different, right? Well, why? Why are you? Are, are you just taking the branding, the the marketing value from the the name recognition of this character? If you want to do the character, then you should want to do the character. And yes, add a couple tweaks of your own, you know, flavor. That's fine. But who they are in the comics is is good enough. There, there's value there. There's there's everything you need to have a great story and a great character. So lean into that first and foremost. Um, and I love your your reference to the Dark Knight trilogy because I was pondering that because those are three of my favorite movies, right? But is that necessarily what I want to see? Is that the standard of this is what I would like to see in comic book movies moving forward? That's not a resounding yes for me. Like, I don't know that I want a quote unquote grounded. Hey, I enjoy grounded characters like the Daredevil show. I think struck a really great balance of definitely a grounded character, ground level. Um, but it was also very comic accurate, portrayed him as he is in the comics. Uh, so I thought that was that was unique. But I think stripping away the a lot of the mythos, you lose something there, right? When you take when Batman is only in Batman's world, right? There's no there's no God. There's no Superman amongst him as well. There's something that feels like it's missing to me. And so I like the, like we've talked about on previous pods. Yes, have Batman exist in his own like movie world. He can make his own movies, but have that character, have that version of Batman be in the Justice League as well, right? Amongst amongst them. I don't think it needs to be an either and either or, I do think it can be a both and, just like it is in the comics. Well, and with Batman, I think my biggest beef with Batman, that dude, I get that he's always like, I work alone. I'm the only one in Gotham. Yet has the largest family in comic books. The largest. He's had five Robins. 
three Batgirls, mm-hmm. a Batwoman. Mm-hmm. He's had a couple bad guys turn and be good guys for a little bit. Dude has this gigantic network of right. people, and right. we haven't seen Dick Grayson mm-hmm. in a Batman movie right. since Batman and Robin which in basically the doesn't 90s, count. Basically doesn't which count. Doesn't count no, at doesn't all. Because in spite of George Clooney's appearance in The Flash, well, it doesn't count. Was it Dick Grayson? Was yes. That, okay. No. Hundred percent. Want to double check to make sure it was Dick Grayson? Yep. We have we have Dick Grayson, Jason Todd. We'll just we'll go go straight up Robbins. Grayson, Jason Todd. Yep. Tim Drake. Damian Wayne, and then Stephanie Brown, if you count her short little tenure as Robin. Sure. There are five interesting characters yep. in of, of, of itself. Yeah. Stephanie Brown, her her dad is Clue Master. Great dynamic. Mm-hmm. Dick Grayson is the Batman's ideal of what he wishes he was. Jason Todd, he tried to save from becoming the dark side. Right. Who he is. And then yep. he ended up going that way anyways. Yep. Tim Drake is like super detective. Mm-hmm. Damien is the heir. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's great so dynamic. many good characters yeah. and haven't been touched. Yep. I don't get it. Yeah. I think for me, if I if the one movie, and this isn't necessarily my favorite movie of all time in the superhero realm, it's one of them, but for me, the standard is the Winter Soldier. Right? You have That's a great comic accurate character. It's a phenomenal story. The action is terrific. But the character is so well portrayed and so well done. And it's, I don't know that I would call it grounded, but it's not like mythic either. It's, it's, a, more, it's, it's a more serious tone. Yeah, but without getting dark. Right. right? Like there's there's levity in it. There's, there's humor. The character of Steve Rogers doesn't have to sacrifice his soul for the story to be worthwhile. It's... That to me is somehow if movies, if all comic book movies could kind of follow in that in that paradigm, that for me is uh, is the standard when I think of what's an example. What, what would that standard be? Is Winter Soldier's what's, what, come to, what comes to mind specifically? I think for me, when it comes to like a more like serious toned movie for a comic book movie, I think that's what I would go with as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just him. And well, especially the buildup from the first movie too mm-hmm. helps with it. Mm-hmm. But like his internal struggle with Bucky and mm. throughout that entire film is just heartbreaking. It is. It is. It's no, it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. All right. So we each do one more and then we get into some top five action. Agreed. This is great. Okay. A team up in the comics that you would like to see. And Mike, I would let's let's go one further. Yep. You have to pair a Marvel character with a DC character. I love that. I love that. <laughs> what a great question. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It would be fun. I know I just brought both these characters up, so they're fresh on my brain. It'd be fun to see Batman and Daredevil team up. To see them solve some mysteries together. Okay. Yeah, they're probably a little too similar, so I'm probably not picking a very good buddy dynamic. Um, but at the same time, I think the similarities would be fascinating. Batman is the detective. Daredevil's got some sleuthing qualities about him as well. And actually, if you think about, it, can you can you even imagine like what if Bruce Wayne and Matt Murdock were aware of who each other is, and Bruce Wayne can kind of help fund Matt Murdock's efforts 
a little bit. He's the right? official lawyer of, of Wayne, Wayne Enterprises. Yes, right? Wayne, Wayne Enterprises. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Okay, so that's my first answer, but I'm going to keep pondering it. I'm going to come up with more. I'd love to hear your answer. Uh, well, they kind of did this with the amalgam. Okay. Whatever. But if I was going to pair Batman up with anybody, I would love Wolverine. Oh, my gosh. Batman's like, don't kill anyone. And Wolverine kill them is all. like, kill them all. And there's like... Too late, they're and the, right, and they're both like trying to out serious each other, right? So, I think that dynamic would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And then you know, seeing Spider-Man with probably like Superman, just because those are both like the icons of their industries. Yep. But like, also, I don't know, having Peter Parker teamed up with this guy that literally resembles Hope. When he's getting his face smashed in every night, I think that would be a good like morale boost for Peter. That would be helpful, right? Right. You know, sometimes a lot of people just like to run Pete through the ringer. Oh, he has a tough time. <laughs> he, does. he does. That poor son of a gun. But there's a popular comic panel of him praying to God, and be like, "Can I just have a break for one night, please?" For and I won't ask for it. <laughs> just really like. Poor guy. Just give me this one. Right. Please, Lord. Please. That's fantastic. Uh, I like that a lot. I would love to see... Man, that's just great. I would love to see Green Lantern. Oh, which X-Men do I want to put him with? For some reason, I'm, I'm thinking of Green Lantern with... How about that? Just Green Lanterns in general with the X-Men. Okay. Yeah. Kind of squad and squad. I was either that or I was thinking, you know, of space terms, the guardians. Sure. Because green lanterns are so structured yep. and the guardians are like, so we not. do what we want. <laughs> They're so loose. Right. <laughs> They'd be so frustrated oh, with them from oh. the get go. From the word go. Yes. There is no question. Oh, no, that that's good. You're going to have me thinking on that for for a while. I'm going to have to come back in a couple weeks and be like, start of this one. <laughs> no, there's, yeah. Because, I mean, we've seen like, we've seen the Ninja Turtles with Batman before and that worked out really well. Incredible. So it's just like, and I, know I never would have thought of that pairing. That sounds ridiculous. Oh, and it's great. You have Shredder against Batman. Awesome. I know. I feel like, I feel like I picked some very obvious ones, but like oh, at good. the same time, it's, really it's like, what else are you going to do? Mm -hmm. You're gonna go with you're gonna go with the sweet spots. I love it. So okay, last question on my end. Not a what if this time, but more of just a throwing this out there. What do you think some of the most obscure comic book characters do so well in movies? While well-known characters have a higher tendency, I think, to struggle. In these movies. What do you think that is? Do you have examples? Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you just mentioned. Who's read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic? Few of us. I only read one after the first Guardians movie came out. But then you have Batman versus Superman. Like the two, the two main DC characters. And it's such a tough movie. It, it's fascinating to me. Suicide Squad. James Gunn. Peacemaker, who I still can't remember what Idris Elba's character's name was. Ratcatcher 2, Polka Dot Man. Okay, Harley Quinn, sure, I guess. 
but that that was a good movie. Well, I think it boozles me. I think the Flash movie comes out and we're going, oh, that didn't make a lot of sense. Well, I think the common denominator here is James Gunn. Mm. But for me, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is what I'll say, because I think DC as a whole does a really poor job of this. And this is why I've always liked Marvel better, is I think Marvel has a lot more characters that have been taking the time to be fleshed out. Sure. I mean, they have the Avengers, they have the X-Men, they have Spider-Man, and then they have a bunch of other characters that fall out. Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, just super well. DC's main thing is Batman and Superman, and then everything else kind of just falls in line, right? Because if you think about it, a lot of the books that do really well are connected to Batman. Yep. Because it's it's Nightwing, or it's the Teen Titans led by Nightwing, or it's Young Justice led by Tim Drake, or it's the out the, the all circles back to Batman. Yeah, or the out, uh, what, what is it? The Outlaws, outlaws yeah, yes, led by Jason Todd, Red Hood. Right. So, but I think also when it comes to this in general, like with the Flash and with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think anyone going into Guardians, unless the five diehard Guardians fans going in there beforehand, no one had any expectations. They did. They weren't familiar with these characters. James Gunn, honest to God, had free reign to do what he wanted. Because if he really wanted to, he could have casted anybody to play those characters, and it wouldn't matter. Right? So I think well, well, well written... By the way, too. Cross to James Gunn. I think writing has everything to do with it yep. as well. But when you have Superman, you have Batman, mm-hmm. you have Spider-Man, you expect them to act a certain way. And when they are a little different, or it's a different take, or a different tone, people get pissed. Yep. It's just yep. fact. That's I why totally I didn't agree. like The Flash. We I talked totally about agree. it. That yep. was not Barry Allen to me. Yep. It wasn't. Right. Right? Everybody... Worried about Tom Holland. That's a lot of a lot of the issues with Tom Holland is he's just Iron Man Junior or whatever. He's not. He doesn't feel like Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot. I, th- I think it's just a lot of those fanboys being like, "Well, he's just Superman's a lot more like this in the comics." And yeah. and even in the comics though, those characters are different based on the run. Yeah, based on the writer, run and they're a little different. There's no question. Expectations, I, I, I totally agree. I think expectations play the biggest part in it. And I wonder, too, though, if on the how the sausage is made side. So we're talking about expectations in regards to how it's received. But I wonder if when the movie is being made and the character is being written and developed, if some of these directors and writers don't outsmart themselves a little bit because – with a character like Superman, it's it's a layup. Like all the expectations for you as the creator are pretty clear as far as what you should do. And I think that kind of goes against a creative person's nature where they want to be original and they want to do their own thing. Like, well, I gotta put my own spin on it. And there can be some of that. But when it's a known character, it's a known quantity, it's not the Guardians, it's not Suicide Squad. That has to be reined in quite a bit more. You have to be limited or limit yourself on the creative liberties that you take and just make the layup. So maybe it doesn't scratch the creative itch that you 
you know, really desire to have for the, for the character. But then to me, it's like, why not come up with a new villain, right? If you really want to do something different, like leave the main character as is one, one of the most, you know, fascinating parts or aspects to any of these characters we're talking about are their villains. That's where you almost have more creative freedom is messing around with, with the villain. So create an original villain for a change, right? Well, and like I said, I, it kind of goes, this kind of falls into like how we're like in that time period now where we're gender swapping and race swapping characters. Right. Yeah. So it's like yeah. with those villains and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, that happens all the time. Right. Look at Flag Smasher from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Nobody mm-hmm. is crying that Flag Smasher was now a young girl with right. super soldier powers. Right. Back when in the comics, when they first appeared, it was a dude who was like, from a different country yep. and wanted to destroy the United States. Something like that. Okay. Prime example, right? But if Correct. they came out and were like, you know what? Tony Stark's now a black guy. Deal mm-hmm. with it. Riots in the streets. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's it. I mean, it's all people expect the character that they want to see. Yep. Right. And yeah. So I just think there's so much more room for original characters than than what anybody's giving them credit for. Like, that's the thing. All these characters were at one point in time created. They were invented. So create original characters within this framework. Well, I mean, look at great examples of this is where it's taken and it's a new take, but it still works. They're all three Spider-Man examples. I know I said two, but we're going to three. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse, we talked about it with Doc Ock. That pull, creative worked well for that movie it's a different universe yep. no one's going to complain because it's a different universe and i think maybe that's what they just need to do this is a whole new universe this is loosely based and just come out from that with a get-go maybe they'll have less fight sure but sure spider-man 2 doc ock yep. his origin in that phenomenal mm-hmm. that was not in the comics mm-hmm. doc ock was always a jerk he was always a jerk. <laughs> he married Aunt May one time. Right. But outside of Just that. Just to be a turd. Right. Right. And, but like in the Spider-Man PS4 game, mm-hmm. Mr. Negative was so well written in that. Mm-hmm. And same with Doc Ock. They yeah. built Doc, up, Doc Ock up as this really good guy. He's trying to do, do good. He's trying to fix his health because sure. he has a disease that's killing him. And then it drives him crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. Forearms, I'm going to take over the world. So, but, you know, Mr. Freeze, another prime example from the Batman animated series. No one gave a crap about Mr. Freeze. They reinvented the origin with Nora, and all of a sudden, he's a top five Batman villain. So, it's within the boundary, and if you're being creative and it makes the character better or more compelling... And you're gonna so yeah, there's more there's more freedom that you have with the villain. So if that's where you want if you need to be inventive and creative, do it there. It just has to be if you're gonna make a change, it has to be for the betterment and not a deterior yeah, take just away. for the sake of making a change. Right? right. Yep. Yep. No. Totally agree. Love it, Riles. Good questions, good topics. Big, big fan. Time for a top five. Time for a classic. JP. In the Beans, top five. Riles, why don't you introduce the premise for us here, my man? Well, because we are a discussion forum, we never did one of these, which is kind of surprising. It is bizarre. We did top five comic book characters. Mm. So our personal favorite top five comic book characters. You bet. 
So you bet. There you go. Do you want to start off? I would love to. I would love to. All right. This is a tough question. Very difficult question because part of me got fairly nostalgic when I was pondering pondering this and I mentioned it's just the, super easy for me. I just want you to I'm glad. This I'm glad like, it was easy for this you. This is like in and out. I was done. Just boom. I was like, I knew this top five like the back of my hand. And this is going to be heavily influenced by what I've read. Okay. And so I I chose to keep it kind of in in that lane. So not not movie oriented. And, and so this is subject to change. But where I'm going to go for my number five is going to be Captain America. And when I say Captain America, I mean both Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes because the Captain America run that I read starts pre-Civil War in the comics where Captain America, Steve Rogers, excuse me, has become aware that Bucky Barnes is not dead, but is alive as the Winter Soldier. So it starts with that Winter Soldier run of Steve Rogers trying to rescue Bucky and get him out of the, the mind control mess that he's trapped in. And then it goes into Civil War and out of Civil War is Captain America. Steve Rogers is killed and Bucky Barnes is left with bearing the mantle of Steve Rogers' And it's a phenomenal run to watch that redemption of Bucky Barnes as he reluctantly takes it on. So that's my number five. Just a beautiful story. Captain America. My number five is kind of a cop out. That's okay. But I don't care. That's okay. Because I was more familiar with the cartoons than the comic books. But I am going the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. All four of them. so great. If I have to pick one, it's going to be Michelangelo. But... That's very you. I was so like so influential on my childhood. That was like one of my main things. I love the turtles. I love the live action movies. I love the cartoon that I grew up with. I haven't seen the 1980s ones. I kind of want to go back and watch the original cartoon. But I did watch the 2003 series, which is phenomenal, by the way. That's like peak cartoon life. Just phenomenal. But yeah, Ninja Turtles. It's an easy, I think they set the standard for teams. Mm -hmm. If I'm being completely honest, when you look at like a superhero team, now I don't know if I call them superheroes, but no, no, I know what you mean though. If you, if good guy teams, I think they set the premise and being able to differentiate and make characters unique, Mm -hmm. even though they look kind of similar. And the only way you can tell the difference is their weapon and their color. The bold take, but I love it. So, big fan. Yes. Big That's fan. my number five. That's number number five. four, and this might be a little low to some people, but I have Batman at four. Dude, this is your personal preference. So, it's Batman. I love don't have it. to explain anything more than that. You don't. I love Batman. Batman is like the peak badass, and you have to have at it's least phenomenal. one badass on your list, you know? You do. You Batman, do. number four. Love it. For me, number four is Martian Manhunter. Uh, he's a little unique in that he doesn't have his own individual comic run. It is out there. But it's brief, and I still haven't found it yeah, and read it. I don't even know if it's well done. I don't know either. So if I'm, it got I'm canceled not, quick, right. it probably wasn't well renowned. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Put it this way: if I die having never read it, no regrets. Yep. But he is such a tremendous character in the '90s Justice League comics that were written by Grant Morrison, and there is a. There's a stretch in particular that I, I couldn't tell you how many years it covers, 
but it it covers five thick volumes of these graphic novels. And what's beautiful about it is the initial Justice League conflict is against this group of white Martians. So the sworn enemy of the green Martians, of which Martian Manhunter is one. And then it ends, right, these hundreds of issues later with the Justice League battling the white Martians again. And John Jones is such a key piece in that story um, because it becomes a very personal story for him because he's this creature, this this person without a home. And we know that Superman's without a home, but it's harder for John Jones, right? Because Superman tends to look a little bit like a human being and a handsome human being at that. John Jones is a freaking green alien. Yeah, he just has to shape shift. He's, he can shape shift. So I feel he, like that would be that. exhausting though to be right. in form all the Right, time. but that's not his natural form. Right. And so there's this inherent loneliness in his character that uh, that really plays itself out um, makes him very empathetic, but his power set, his skill set is just unreal as it's well. It's through the roof. It's awesome. It's incredible. So the ability to create a psychic link with the rest of the Justice League so that they can just psychically communicate with one another, that's pretty swell. So Christian Manhunter is my number four. My number three is Green Lantern, and in particular, Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan comics run starting with Hal Jordan or Green Lantern Rebirth, where comics, he's brought back from the dead. He's been dead for a while. I bring him back, guys. He's back. What a friggin' wild run that is. Green Lantern Rebirth, Sinestro Core War, all the way into the New 52, which actually ties the character off quite nicely. And then, of course, weirdly, I think he continues. But if you chose to just kind of close one eye and go, no, nope, it's done, it's over, Actually, one of those rare comics moments where you could see both the start and finish of a particular character over the span of about a decade. So for me, Hal Jordan, the cosmic nature of the Green Lanterns, whoa, just incredible. That's my number three. My number three. Hit it. Martian Manhunter. Mm. Yes. Get it. Do you guys think we were going to be talking about this and Manhunter wouldn't be on either one of our lists? You've never Come listened if that's the case. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll be waving that banner till I. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of characters, I would like to write Manhunter. There you number go. Number one. There you go. Hey, let's be real here. The dude is OP. I fell in love with him in Justice League cartoon and Justice League Unlimited. How could you not? He was phenomenal in that cartoon. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I don't know how he's gone this long without an actual solid run. This is why I have an issue with DC. Yeah. But as you should. Number three. Love it. Okay. Good three. Good three. Number two, I mean, I think I think these next two are just going to be super likes right forward and believable for me. Mm -hmm. Number two, Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Yep, Spider-Man mm -hmm. is the most relatable superhero ever. Um, love him. I've had it. I grew up with him. 2002, all the way till now. The different iterations, like... He's great. Oh, my God. I can't... He's great. I mean, it's Spider-Man. There's not much else I can talk about. It's a great pick. My number two is Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil is one of those unique comic characters who has had comic runs in the 80s, in the 90s, and in the 2000s. Like He has had one heck of a stretch. He has not been done well in the last decade, which is a shame. 
Um, but I'm very excited to see what we get in the Netflix, sorry, not in the Netflix anymore, in the Disney Plus iteration with Born Again. But I brought with me the Frank Miller Born Again comic run, the Frank Miller, the man without fear, his origin of Daredevil from the 80s. I'm up here as an ode to my boy Daredevil, but Michael Bennis's run of Daredevil, our guy Ben Kruger turned me on to that years ago. Just incredible. He is Daredevil. Incredible run. Yeah. No, basically I mean, he's not Daredevil. But he is. But he is. So Daredevil is my number two. My number one, it's Batman. It's Batman for me. It it just is. So I don't hold it against you having him as low as you did. Because um, this is all about personal preference. But, you know, I looked at my comic book shelf at home. And the entire top shelf is either Batman comics or Batman is in them like it's justice league or Gotham central, which is revolving around Batman. It's just, he, he's a forever interest, you know, interesting and compelling character. In Every mind. boy at one point in time has wanted to be Batman. Still do. Still do. Exactly. Yep. yep. I'm going to break out my batterings when I get home and just start chucking them. I would. <laughs> you know, I wanted a grappling hook after watching Batman. Oh yes. That, that's truly that'd be amazing. A grappling hook would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Just go right up to the top of the tree whenever you want to. Ah, I'm getting down to the issue, but... Sure, you need the cape, I guess, as well. But that's for next Christmas. Yes. Yeah, true. Okay. Your number one, sir. It's Deadpool. You better believe it. I was a Deadpool fan before it was cool. I was you were? I was rocking yes, Deadpool and Ultimate Alliance on the PS2. I found <laughs> the character, and he started talking back to me. He said, hey, my health's getting low. And I'm like, what is happening? I love this. And then so I rocked Deadpool throughout that entire game. I soloed that game with Deadpool as soon as I got him, fell in love with the character, looked him up, read his stuff. Ryan Reynolds coming in X-Men Origins as Wade Wilson. I was like, here we go. And then I cried for about a week and a half towards the end of that movie because I'm like, that's not him. And then just to all have it come back, Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool again. Er, and doing it right and my gosh that you know i i used to be able to quote that movie almost like word Start for word yeah it's not even out there like that's how much i love the character but yes i loved him before he was cool i cannot establish that enough but i, I just think it's a delight to be able to witness your joy right because you have fought the good fight for a long time you've You've waved the Deadpool flag for, you know, nigh on eons now. Yes. So this is your reward. I'm a sucker for comedy. What can I say? It's great. Yes, it's great. I'm happy so, for you. Great number one. My pick. number one. No, phenomenal. Forever and always. Phenomenal number one pick. Raza, I think that's it, man. I think that is it, too. Woo! If you guys like this content. Because you do. Go subscribe mm-hmm. to JP and the Beanstalk on mm-hmm. YouTube. You already follow us because you're listening to us. You wear so, loud shirts. You right. cheer on the Orioles. Hit, we get you. Yes. Hit that like button. Hit the share button. Send us around. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you got a buddy that would just love to hear me talk and Jordan talk, obviously, too. Um, but yes. So that's great. We are on TikTok under Magic Beans Productions. If you like listening to me talk, which I can't blame you, uh, Magic Beans Productions on YouTube as well. And then we have our respective Instagram pages, JP and the Beanstalk. Magic Means Productions. I think I hit everything. You did it. You did a great job. That you would like to plug today. I am just super stoked for you to watch the Barbie trailer. So we can talk about it on the next podcast. Sure.
<laughs> on that note, Godspeed. Peace.